Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Safety Meeting Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Heckert. Just wanted to give you guys a little pre-roll today and let you know about today's episode with Laura Joy Rochelle. Um, it gets interesting. It gets really, really, really interesting around the 40-minute mark, minus whatever how long this pre-roll is going to be. It's got, it's got a little bit of a, a crime, true-life crime drama. It's covered by 48 Hours and Dateline and all those uh, major networks. I had no idea it was coming, and I kind of thought she was joking when she dropped it on me. Um, but it's fascinating, and it's true, and it's real life. Um, so if you want to skip ahead, you're welcome to do that. I invite you to listen to the whole episode. It all plays well. The 40 minutes previous to the crime drama thing all kind of lead up to where she's at in her life when it happens. Uh, but you can Google it. It's all true. It all happened. It all went down. And uh, super, super fascinating. Um, so please enjoy this episode, episode 32. And let me know what you think. Send me a message on Instagram. Send me an email, IsaacHeckard at gmail.com or Isaac at the safety meeting podcast.com or I don't even know if I check that one to be honest with you. Isaac at Brickyard Media Group is always a good one. Um, don't forget to check out our YouTube page. We are finally adding the cameras this week. So episodes 34 and up will all have video on them. Next week's episode is going to be Jeremy Robinson, our executive producer, comes back on in um, to announce that he's got a new podcast coming out next year. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. And let me know what you think. Thanks a lot. Bye. Are you changing your Instagram name? I'll cut this out. No? <laughs> the joyless, the joyless of Laura. Just it's, joyless. Right be now, funny. it's joy of Laura. Right. So maybe I change it to joyless Laura, depending on my mood. Or no joy. No joy. Oh, you hit me with a trigger there. <laughs> my sisters would call me that. Really? Well, they were just jealous because I was the favorite child. And you're the youngest. Youngest of four girls. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Do you want to hear my radio voice? I'm ready. Because this is my intro. Yeah. Okay. That was a pre-roll. Oh, good stuff. Welcome back to the Safety Meeting Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Isaac Hecker. Today's guest, Laura No Joy Rochelle. <laughs> her Instagram name is Joy of Laura. And when I met her, I could have sworn she said, my name's Laura Joy. Don't you call me just Laura. <laughs> so that's what I'm sticking to. Joy of Laura. At Instagram on Joy of Laura. There's a YouTube channel coming very shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, Laura Joy is a com- comedic comic comedy person yeah and uh actor writer (laughs) development personnel uh behind the camera extraordinaire and a philanthropist in addition to formerly and currently being wonder woman for the dc universe (laughs) in person not on hollywood and highland but in real life like in parks and hospitals and things like that close enough right right Right. did i get that any of that is that yeah it sounds great and if you don't believe me you can google it for yourself maybe Uh, it'd show up no joy welcome to the show how are you (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm full of no joy here. Awesome. But happy to be here. I'm glad to have you here. Nonetheless. Uh, we've been just shooting the shit for the last hour. Yeah. Which would probably have made for a really good podcast. But here we are. Now it's going to be terrible. Yeah. So well, that's you what forecast it that way, then possibly. <laughs> I'm cutting that part out. <laughs> I'm cutting this whole You started thing out. it with the no joy. Yeah, well, it's kind of funny. I think it's funny. It is good. It's not funny. It, it's just a trigger of my childhood trauma, yeah, but so we're okay. All, all three sisters were like, no, Jane. Yeah, I'm the youngest of four girls, mm-hmm. so obviously dad's biggest disappointment because I was his fourth attempt to get that son. Yep. And so I think joy came from when I was born. It was, we're just going to put joy in the middle because she's the last child we're having. And so, you know, it works out. And, well, where are you from? Where were you born? 
Well, I call myself a Calitexan. Okay. Yep. So I was, because uh, this is really important, conceived in Virginia. That's Conceived important. in Virginia. All right. Born in Arizona. Raised half California, Texas. All right. <laughs> and no, not due to military. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So why is it important that we know where you were conceived? Um, because I want you to know that it's okay if I ever choose to date my cousin, that it's just in my blood. Got it. Have yeah. you got, do you have attractive cousins? No, actually. Well, yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I think I do have attractive cousins. We've got one on the phone right now. Go ahead, caller. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Like, be- Laura Joy, I was waiting for this podcast my whole life. I was just wondering if you want to go get some ice cream. <laughs> oh, Lord. That would be so. <laughs> no, I just like the idea of um, rubbing it in that I was conceived in Virginia and not born there because all my sisters were born in Virginia. Okay. And I'm the oddball out by so, being an heiress from Zona. So it's not like mom and dad were just on a trip to Virginia, like... They live there. Back East family, yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then they moved to Arizona. Yeah, thank Preggers. God. Yep, yep. Preggers. Okay. That's right. That's right. And, and then after the day just... you were born, it was like every other day back and forth between California and Texas. It was exactly <laughs> half the time. No. I moved to Texas 10 days before my 16th birthday. Oh, wow. Dun, dun, dun. A child, <laughs> the star of a soccer team, moves to Texas. Moves to Texas. <laughs> To become the label, the virgin slut, what as she would call it. Wait, you call, is that what you called yourself? That would be a book title I'd give for the chapter of my high school years. Yeah. The virgin slut. Right. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. There is. Okay. So where uh, were you in Arizona until you were 16, and then you went to Texas, or you were in California? No. At um, the age of two, I moved to California. Cool. What so, part? Anywhere around here? Yeah. Actually, Santa Clarita. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Where she ended up doing Wonder Woman. What? Irony? Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain. Okay, Once except you rode the rides as a child. They just tore the mountain down, so. That's. It. It's just magic now. It's just magic. <laughs> magic Earth. Now. Burnt Mountain. Yeah. Magic Burnt Mountain as far as California Those goes. Those condos are going to look great <laughs> right there. Just overlooking Triggered the park. back to the Giving Tree book. Yes. <laughs> Take, take. Well, I, nature I used nothing. to drive past Magic Mountain every uh, day on my way to the wood shop, which is in Fillmore. So you'd go up the one, the five to the 126, take left. So we would watch them slowly take that mountain out over the course of two years. Mm. And I was writing a joke about how the mountain will no longer have any magic, but I just can't pull the right punchline. It was it. there. It was. <laughs> and I lost it. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to talk <laughs> off my... I need another hot pocket! <laughs> Mom! Mom! <laughs> Sorry, I, I started that on episode, episode four or five, and I can't shake it. <laughs> I do enjoy that. Because if my mom was here, she'd be like, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll there's your hot pocket. Yeah. yeah. Mine were the Costco pizzas. Oh. Do you remember those? No. The, the ones that I'm sure someone listening to this, mm-hmm. 50% of, I think, mm-hmm. my generation would attune to this, is the 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 little cardboard things. you Squares? Frozen pizzas. Yep. You'd grab out of your freezer. You'd mm-hmm. flip the square. Cardboard around, stick your pizza on it, and microwave it. <gasps> oh, because it had a silver bottom, yes. and it made a little riser, and then yes. helped cook the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. What brand was that? Do you remember? No. Because we had growing up for me, we were we did those square Totinos. Whoa. Not Totinos, Tinos, Tiny Tinos. I don't know. Sure, but on that's a Monday bowling have. nights, before we would go to bowling, we, all, the whole family would have one little piece of square pizza, and we'd be like, "Yay, pizza night!" <laughs> Yep. And then we'd go watch mom and dad bowl, and they would give us like a dollar and quarters. Is that what they call it? Mm-hmm. Bowling. 
bowling. back then. Mom and dad were just bowling. No, we went to a bowling alley. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know what happened after, but I don't have any younger brothers. <laughs> the pins were being knocked down. Okay. <laughs> uh, going back into our phone sex operator. Uh, That's right. Former job. Hi. Hello. Do men do that? Do you think men do phone sex operating? Ooh. And if so. You have a job. Could I do it? Could you do it? Welcome to 1-800. Maybe it's, Make, you know, what? we could have a business here where it's a man does phone sex, but for a woman, mm. a man doing phone sex isn't sexual talk. It's him saying things like, I've always loved you. You're my can, favorite daughter. Can I do the dishes tonight? Yeah, like things that women yeah. need to hear. Right. <laughs> I'd really like to vacuum your yeah. living you're, room. You're beautiful. <laughs> your love handles are my favorite. You're the best type of woman. If you think about it, yeah. that'd be a great... This thing takes phone calls. We might have to do that. We might Let's have to do, do like a reprogramming YouTube channel. Because I go to sleep listening to... It's called Reprogram Your Brain. So you go to sleep with like certain yeah. meditative sounds or yeah. like, you're an abundant creature. Oh, the affirmations. Is, yeah, the yeah. affirmations. Yep. Sleep, sleep affirmations. Mm, there you go. What if we uh, we need to write sleep affirmations for women yeah. that they need to hear? Or male ASMR. From males, the one who... Yeah. Or males, yeah. yeah. Do you know about ASMR? It's, I do an ASMR joke on almost every episode because I, I picture people in their car like turning it up because it's very, very low. And then I want to yell really loud. <laughs> and they're like, ah, I wish I hadn't turned up my radio. <laughs> I like Sorry, that. Sorry, everybody. I'm not going to mix that either. I'm nope. Busy. And that's why I have so many listeners <laughs> on my Thousands show. of hundreds of thousands. Yes, both of them. Well, after this, in our phone sex yeah. idea, it'll tune that'll be the caption yeah. on youtube that will and be, that'll get it is be, we just say there's no the best, joy in phone sex. no joy in <laughs> phone sex but instead right they just get a bunch of information right but i think there's something there with i think so you too. giving affirmations to yes. women and things they always wanted to hear I could do either it. it's from like a partner or a father that they never got to hear right. and you could be everyone's partner and I'm father this holiday dad. season right <laughs> Oh, man. The CD. Hey, everybody. It's I'm your, your dad. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. It's your dad. Just want you to know that you're smart and beautiful, and I love you to death, even though I'm not here right now. I'll be right back. Wherever I said I was going, I'm still there, and I'll see you shortly. Bye. <laughs> so That's a very young dad, though. Yeah, it, it is. should be an older dad. Right. Like, a, Or what about a grandpa? <laughs> I guess we'd all want Morgan Freeman's voice to play dad. Uh, wouldn't we all? Yeah, get him in here and just give us yeah. your... I can't do Morgan really? Freeman right now. You were about I don't, to try. I was going to try. <laughs> I was. <laughs> oh. Well, it's a good thing we got him on the phone. Go ahead, Morgan. <laughs> Morgan? Oh, we just, I, think uh, we, I think we lost him. I think he's going to play God right now. Yes. For the fifth time. We do have Samuel L. Jackson, though. Perfect. I'm Floyd Mayweather. Nope, that's Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nope. Floyd, I'm he can't Floyd read. Mayweather. That's him reading his own name. Mm. I think it's maybe this one. English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Yeah. That sounds like my dad that's more now. Samuel. That's the things we were used to our fathers saying. Yeah. My dad wasn't a yeller. Oh. No. Okay. My dad, yeah, he wasn't a yeller until he was come to my office. Oh, boy. That was the worst yeah. words I had to hear for many years. Right. Was there's a reason I think I've avoided offices and I'll never work a normal nine to five office job because mm. I attune the word office to punishment. Really? I do. My mother would be the, the nice messenger and be like, your father wants to see you in his office. Oh. That's the walk of shame you don't want to be doing. No. I'm telling you what, 
Nope. That's a tune close to when I lost my virginity. Mm. Then I walk of shame downtown. But wow, that was rough. Okay. On that story, yeah. it was pretty good because, you know, saving it for a while. And right. It's a painful one, we'll just say. And then you're mm-hmm. walking in that crap dress downtown in the daylight. Like, I can't believe this is how that just happened. Yeah. And in that perfect moment, uh, your head's down, a fire truck drives by. Is this a real story? This is real. This is my real life. This, and this is like, what, last week? <laughs> Honestly, it's just a couple of years ago. <laughs> okay. I was saving it for marriage, mom and dad. Me too. I made it to almost 20 Oh, okay. Yeah. 22. Good so, for you. Whoa. Wow. That's I'm why impressed. the book of my high school years are called The Virgin Slut. We'll get right. back to that. Okay. But, um, you know, the the walk of shame, the, the black dress, my funeral dress of mourning, the virginity I just lost, and mm-hmm. you're walking down this street, downtown Austin, trying to make it to your car, hoping it's not towed, and then a fire truck goes by, and I kid you not, this head pops out and goes... Laura? No. <laughs> it was my sister's boyfriend at the time, who's a, a firefighter. firefighter. Oh, and he boy. pops his head out, and the fire truck just goes by. And I get a text, and it said, someone got some D last night. What? Yep. From him. From him. Oh, boy. And I had just lost my virginity, and I was mm. so sad about it. And I was like, that would happen. That, wow. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was funny. That's a Later. rough one. That's a pretty rough one. Not everybody gets to see. Did he end up becoming your brother-in-law? Nope. Not that guy. Nope, not that one. <laughs> does he, Bye, Felicia. Does he still text you? Nope, definitely not. I mean, firefighters are at a premium. I don't know if you're looking to husband up. but There's a worse story to the firefighter regard that I shouldn't talk about. Um, oh, he's not with us anymore? No, he's alive. He died in a fire? No. Oh. <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> that would be so bad. I think I can say, honestly, it's kind of a douchebag. Oh. But well, if texting people, that kind of stuff is... That's, yeah, those little signs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a bit. Yep. The boy-to-man conversations that we'll have when dad comes back with his podcast. Hey, everybody, it's your dad. I can't help but do... <laughs> it's almost like Will Forte. Well- <laughs> is that what you're going to say? Hey, everybody, it's your dad. Hey, everybody, it's Will Forte. No, that's not it at all. I no, you sound it. like Zach Galifianakis on one of his roles. Oh, thank kind you. Of. I love Zach. Today. Yeah, you kind of sound like yeah. he, if he would be a great version, like the Southern Zach. Yeah, he's from North Carolina. Yeah, and getting so him I. like really, t- that's it. That's mm-hmm. why I hear it. Getting a Southern side. Well, there's a statistics that back why, you know, we like to listen to certain voices. The accented really? Australian. Oh, I wonder oh, if you're going to uh, listen to this podcast if I do a crappy Australian accent. We'll have to ask two different uh, Australian folks uh, that listen to Dang this it. podcast. Let me try British instead. <laughs> I don't know if I should shout either of them out, but yeah, they're Tro- going to try it again. Should we both do? Try it. Have, have, have we gotten to the point? This is so bad. This is where Sarah and Jessica both turn the podcast off. Yeah. All right then. Yeah. Right. Right. No, now that's British. No. We've got to go back to Australia. Well, I think British is statistically sounds just as good. I mean, if you've ever watched Planet Earth. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. You understand. You can just watch it. Watch penguins right. basking in right. the melting cascades of. If, you, if you're still listening to this podcast, you're a fucking saint. Sorry for the <laughs> F-bomb, mom and dad, if you're listening. Uh, not my mom and dad. They don't listen. Mm. I mean, your mom and dad. Oh, no. The, They're used to it by now. The Rochelles. The Rochelles. <laughs> you guys can start your own pasta company. The Rochelles. Hey. If that's how we pronounce it. 
You could be Italian. Italiano. Like hey. Welcome to the Rochelles. We go. always said I if we had a document like documentary team following, I think my family, mm-hmm. we would have been more famous than the Kardashians. You think so? I boldly would say this. I think because you, people yeah. would actually relate. It'd be like, "Oh, you're not having drama that's my private jet's wheel is broken. I can't make it to Milan today." You know, but people, but like people to, love that. People like to picture themselves having that problem one day. <laughs> like, I'm no nowhere near rich. But in True. my head growing up, definitely not rich growing up. But I was like, I'm going to be rich one day. I'm going to get my private jet. That's right. Fly away with my sisters. I'm going to change the tires on my own jet. Save me. Well, you're one of four kids. I am. You're the youngest of Youngest of four. four the but the you're... top two were half sisters. Okay, but all women. All women, all the time. Mm-hmm. Raised by women. Raised by the women folk. Yeah. So I think there's something there where you're technically Rob Kardashian, but are you the outcast? I that? don't know enough about that clan to. We comment. don't even need to waste any minutes on it. Yeah. Let's just strike right over the Kardashians. We're going to cut that part out. <laughs> yeah. You can tell that I'm not going to cut it out when I say I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> I used to edit this show heavily. Every time you say cut that out, I think of... Joey? Joey. You know, uh, Fuller House just wrapped forever. The second round. Did you ever watch Fuller House? No. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> so, uh, born in Arizona, moved to California when you were two, mm-hmm. and you told me what part of California, but I didn't write it down. Yeah, Santa Clarita. That's right. Magic and then Mountain. the more exciting stuff happened when we decided to go from Santa Clarita to Agua Dulce. Ooh. You know it? Yes. Whoa. You know why? Filming. That's it. That's uh-huh. all I can guess. There's film ranches up there, but yep. it's where if you order a water truck to a film set, that's the lake they fill it up from. <laughs> Makes sense. We're always dealing with water crisis over there. Yeah. And you guys are stealing our lake water? 100%. I've now learned. 4,000 gallons at a time. That's what the water trucks hold. Oh, my goodness. And it's not for drinking. Nope. And if we don't We couldn't use even it, drink water over there. Yeah. Oh, oh, We'd oh, have like well water. 100%. It's that small of a town. If we don't use the water that we order from the water truck, they dump it on the way out. They'll either water the grass or they'll just dump it. Or right the burning there. mountains of yeah. California. We paid for it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So you, there's only a couple ways people ever know what that town is because mm-hmm. you just, it looks like a desert nothingness town. That's right. And it's only 45 minutes away from really Los Angeles. Yeah. It's still a subsidy of- LA, which mm-hmm. is crazy. They have People their own realize. Dunkin' Donuts. Well, so, yeah, there was one McDonald's when I was there, one Subway, and like a Jack in the Box. And have you been back recently? Um, yes, and it's thriving still. Thriving. <laughs> many of the same people I can tend to see that I grew up with around there are there. Seriously. Yep. And yep. there is a beauty to that because uh-huh. you start to see there's this like energy where everyone's maybe dated each other at a time. And then you settle into the one partner more who's mm-hmm. you've made your rounds. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of love there. But I'm very glad that at 15 I got away from that town. Yeah. Because it definitely expanded me in a drastic you, way. You wouldn't have made it to 22 if you'd stayed there. Absolutely you're right. I know at least five people who have died just yeah. from that small town. I meant with your um, virgin. We got too yeah. dark. Yep. Yep. I went just left <laughs> I was again. like, you're going to probably still be alive. Probably but still be alive. have a couple the kids. virginity. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it is in North Carolina. Everybody got hooked up at like yep. 22, 23, like right the year everybody graduated from college. It was like, oh, I guess on the timeline of my life, I need to get married now. 
On the bright side, when you live in a town like that, it definitely grows you into being really rowdy and like get into a lot of things. So I got a blessed childhood where nowadays, I mean, you can't go out of your house, walk miles on a train track and Mm. go to the baseball players' houses and party Mm. at 14 and, and, you know, I mean, have a ton of fun. Yeah, That's just kind of the fun of living in a small town like that. You almost die at least four times. You a know, day. You're in the back of a truck, right? Yep. <laughs> While they're racing around and off-roading, and mm-hmm. one girl almost falls out, and you grab her. It happens. Yeah. I'm having many flashbacks right now. Right. I'm having a little bit of a PS, P, PSTD right now. We'll call it that. <laughs> PSTD. <laughs> oh, my God. Post-stress post traumatic disorder. Yep, that's yep. it. There's, yeah. My lisp is going to probably sound so intense on this. Do you have one? Yeah. I can't hear it. When I get excited or a little confused, maybe that's when it comes out more. Sometimes. Which is 85% of my life. 80, 85% of your life, you are excited, excited and confused. Excited and confused. All right. That's going to be the name of this episode. No joy. Excited and confused. Excited <laughs> and confused. You can be both. You can yeah, be, confused yeah. why you're excited. Right. Because you something can excite you that shouldn't probably excite you. And you're like, why it is... It can confuse you. And it confuses you. It can you. be confusing sometimes when you're unnecessarily excited. Right. Give right. me an example. You have one, I know, um, deep down. When you were confused why you were excited to something. I get excited when, when I'm about to ride a roller coaster. But that's a normal excitement. You shouldn't be confused about that. Uh, you're right. I'm not confused. I know exactly why. I, I was confused why I got excited watching The Lion King 2, and I was attracted to the lion. See that? That's a better case study <laughs> in the exciting and confusing world. I yeah. thought, I'm a little confused why this lion has excited me. Am I into bestiality, or is it just the voice of the lion, Man. or because he represents something deeper? Are you unpacking this live right now, <laughs> or like is this something you've thought out? Like, do you know the answer? No, this is definitely just off the cusp. Oh, okay. I've not spent much time thinking about my lion love. God, I am a Leo, so maybe I'm a kindred energy to Lion King lions attract me. Who, who knows? Who did the voice for the lion? See, I haven't unpacked this enough to even look that up. Because I bet you it's a char- it's an actor. Maybe it is. That you're accustomed to. I'm going to look it oh, up. Oh, we do have to see this. Yes. That'd I don't be interesting. look stuff up on the podcast, but I'm going to look it up right now. While you look it up, I'll say what is a cool circle of life, pun Ooh. intended, okay. moment. Um, when I was working as Wonder Woman, you know, you're, you're doing all these poses for kids. And there's this moment, Katy Perry and Orlando Bloom walk by. And Legolas was my first crush. Wait, in real life? They were at the park? Yep. Weird. Weird. Celebrities can't have fun on roller coasters. But, yeah. And it was that moment. Only would I probably, in this sort of world, get Orlando Bloom to wave hello at me um, as Wonder Woman. Uh But here I was. Like, my life's complete. Legolas has now waved at Wonder Woman, and I'm set. What's the name of the lion? Yeah, you need to find... I think you're looking up Lion King 1, aren't no, you? No, no, I got it. Really? Yeah. yeah. I have. I, I look stuff up on IMDb all the time. Love it. But is it Mufasa? <laughs> no, that what? would be... What is that? Pierce... What that's, is that? That's James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, right. Because he just played the... Pumbaa? <laughs> I wish it was as good as this. You're, it's not someone we probably will know as much. You're talking about the dad lion. No, I'm talking about... The, the baby lion? Baby lion. Simba. No, not Simba. I told you Lion King 2. There is a Lion King 2. No one realizes. Are you talking about the animated Lion King 2? Yeah. 
Not, yep. not the one I was that just attracted came out. to an animated lion on Lion King 2. Oh, I am definitely not on the right page. Nope. Okay. And it looks like Nuka, Kiara, Simba, Rafiki. Oh, my Let's God. Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, 1998. Thank God it's not Nathan Lane. They had a Lion King 3, Hakuna Matata. Hey, okay. So J- Jason Marsden apparently was Kovu. We're finding out. My, I was. He's not a bad looking dude in real life, the voice behind the crush. I know that guy. Don't you lie. I do. What, where is he? Jason Marsden. What has he been in? Sounds familiar, but he's not been in born, much. He was born in Rhode Island. Born in Rhode Island. So That's if anyone it. wants to know what's happening, we have looked up the I, voice behind the lion I had a crush on. Dude, he <sighs> is all voice talent. Hmm. He's been in nothing but... He really is one of those people who people would be like, you would be a great voice actor. And it's supposed to be a diss on their looks. But he's kind of attractive. That's what I feel like. People are like, oh, man, you got the face for radio. It's good that right. you started a podcast. Bastards. Bastards. You're going to get him back. a couple of things. That's really why I'm here is to get back at my family for all the torment they've put me through. And to tell as many stories as I can about it. Shout out Jason Marsden. When, as you're listening to this. Yes. It's at Joy of Laura. <laughs> get up in them DMs, bruh. <laughs> you're only four years older than me. You're 44. Perfect. That's usually the realm I go for. 45. He'll be 45. Yes. Picture like 20 years younger than what's on IMBD. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> Time to update that picture, Jason. Mr. Marsden. Reminds me, I love my father has a poetry book. Or now is his third edition out of poetry. Really? Yep. He is a great poet, actually. Like a literal poet. It's called The Heart of the Warrior Poet. Right. Mm-hmm. What if he called you into his office and you're like, oh, no. And then he was like, I just wanted to run my new poetry by you. <laughs> we have done that. Right? Oh, me and my dad have absolutely, like, you wouldn't think, have absolutely read each other's poems. Like, what do you write this week? It's like, driving up the road, what do I see but a horse hurt and wounded not near a tree? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, my poetry. Yeah? <laughs> is, this, is it real sing-songy? Actually, this, I don't know why I just pulled this out of my whatever head this is, but that was a poem I wrote. Really? fourth grade wow. and I won a poetry contest for winner it. winner winner and that's as basic it was about Pecos Bill and Lightning the tall tales do you remember the tall I tales do. we had to yeah. write a poem over a tall tale and I chose Pecos Bill and his horse Lightning that's and a here deep it dive. goes ladies and gentlemen let's hear it <laughs> from the top I'm thinking if I can remember it I hope riding up the road no that's not it I was thinking I was combining my my possum poem with it. Well, See, my brain's combining. Gotta hear the possum poem. It's too long. <laughs> too long? Maybe. Well, you can cut it out if it's too long. <laughs> That's what Ladies and she gentlemen, said? for the first time oh, no. ever on a podcast, <laughs> the possum poem. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> two hot pockets, please. <laughs> and action. Riding up the road, what do I see but a possum hurt and wounded? Not near a tree. I said to thee as I slowed my gait, Are you wounded, sick? Is this a mistake? Possum lifted its head in surprise. Is this really someone to help? She's not waiting for my demise? Sorrow leapt onto my face. (laughs) I can't do this. No, keep going, keep going. I won't allow you. Cut. Reroll. Take two. Not from the top. Not from the top. Just, We're not doing it from the top. It's a pickup. Sorrow leapt <laughs> sorrow, sorrow onto my face. Have you been here so long? Has no one shown you grace? 
Grace, the possum hissed. What could you mean? No one has shown this kindness. No, not to me, for I am the one everyone fears. I stay in the dark and no one comes near. Why do you think I have been here so long? No one wants to help an ugly opossum. But if I were a puppy, it would be different. A puppy, I thought. That may be true. A puppy is smart, cute, and can smell of shampoo. This possum is mean and rough. This possum seems too tough. Well, tough I am and tough I must be, for the world has chosen to forget about me. You see, I might seem tough and mean and seem ill-willed. But truly, I tell you, this is not correct. If someone were to get to know me, they might actually connect. Connect to my life and how I have become. Become this one to be feared, when all I want is to be treated like a puppy, to be treated with love and drawn near. So then I understood. <laughs> <That's> so <cool. laughs> this made you rough, animal. So, so then, no, sorry, <laughs> sorry, you weren't kidding. This is super long. Nope. It's done. Is it? That's done? No. There's, there's t- how much more is there? Two sentences. Oh, you got You're it. at the very end. Sorry. You ruined the climax, as men tend to always do. Wow, wow. Right when the wow. woman is just about there, he finishes, and she just can't is even. This part of the poem? Nope. <laughs> okay. That was a you were deep. About to, you were about to rhyme, though. <laughs> you were about to rhyme. Maybe that's a better poem. Wow. The, oh my God. In the bedroom poetry the that remix. women can remix for children when they're yes. hopefully much older. Okay, last two sentences, go. Oh, God. Where do we leave off? Then I understood this mangy rough animal is not like what he looked. This mangy rough animal has been treated like a book. And a book may be judged by its cover and title alone. But if you open the pages and begin to read, we might find out that there's a story hidden beneath. And stories belong to each of us. So when you see someone who seems mean and tough, we must ask ourselves why they must be. Be as though a possum away from their tree. He gave me this look, ladies and gentlemen, like <laughs> this was not two sentences. You're being a woman who yeah. said you're almost done and you're going on another 10 minutes. Yeah. That, that was, was way two, longer. That was two paragraphs. Good thing we can cut it completely We're out. We're not. We're going to leave it. And oh, then, my God. Um, I just, if you guys enjoyed that poem, did you write that? Yeah. How that's did a you little, remember all of that? Little children's booky thing. That's from your book. Yeah, that's the idea. It's obviously unedited and f- please... NDA Wait. disclosure agreement. Yeah, the the thirteen people that 13 are going to hear people. this. Um, thirteen people. Don't steal my possum poem, even though it's fantastic. Is it? Is that really in your new book? That's the idea of yeah the the possum. Yes, the possum book. The possum now, book. The one we talked about. Yes. Don't worry. Okay. This is the rough. Is rough. That, is that the whole book? Is there more? No, that's the whole, that's the whole bit thing. of it. But then yeah. I'll go through. I've yet to. That's the synopsis. You're gonna make it longer? No, definitely okay. not. You're gonna draw Especially some because this was the first time doing this out loud to a being like you where you can realize I didn't know that was I your book. I won't make it longer. I thought you were just telling me the possum poem from before. Understood. Yeah. Understood. If that was your book, I would have been like this. Context has changed. Mm-hmm. That was the book. That was the bo- book. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> what an excellent read we've got. The the basis behind the possum versus puppy is about recidivism and the prison system and how men who have offended in prison sometimes get out and they're treated as a possum. And what is the difference of, an, you know, we're all just animals and creatures of this world, but we judge people based off kind of their behavior and looks too often. That's exactly what I was going to say. Exactly. I was going to just break it down exactly like that. You just took that. the words right out of my Maybe mouth. I should have seen how you'd break it down. Yep, well, it's too late because you just gave the word-for-word ana- analysis of how I was going to do it. So let's try and keep you on track to your life story. We got you all the way to Aqua Dulce. Agua, Aqua. 
Yes, uh, yes. sweet water in Spanish translated. Thank you. Now you've realized. We have this show dubbed into Spanish uh, and then sent off to the... Yep, Agua Dulce. uh, Yep, and then we go to Texas. 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 In Agua Dulce... um, Oh, we're back in We went through the 2008 stock market crash and lost everything. Wow. So... I remember that. It was... I lived here at the time. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. it was going from... Pretty wealthy horses, volleyball court, trampoline, a child's dream home, and watching divorce, foreclosure, and a family kind of just separate and scatter. Yeah. To was the divorce part of the the crash? Long time coming. I think lots of in and outs, and um, you know, I, I recognize with my parents that you know I've had a lot of good deep conversations to see where they were at at the time. I think my dad, being an entrepreneur at heart wanted to be that and couldn't with a family right. and realized he needed to, I think, as the quote I picture in his head, I'm a peacock, you got to let me fly. Wow. <laughs> so much there. <laughs> I love it. So my father flew away. Is and that, he, he made that up? Definitely not. Oh. I'm putting humor to a sad situation. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to be your dad's a genius. No, that's, I'm a genius. You wrote that. Yeah, wrote okay. It. Yep. I'm in the presence of greatness. Yep, that's Here. right. That's super funny. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah. think that's what his head was saying. Do you, mm-hmm. as, at least that's a story I've written to make myself feel better about his nature of leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm grateful for it because, you know, then two sisters move away and one sister moves to Texas to live with an aunt and uncle. And now it's just my mom and I living above a garage. And that was a very unique time where a lot of loss and hardship and then depth and growth. And as that, at that point, I put it where at 14, I think that's where my old soul just boom. Mm-hmm. And I became very different in a, in a regard and kind of deepened into this being that was an old soul and someone that couldn't relate as much to people my own age because mm-hmm. I experienced a pretty good version of loss. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, it's just me and my mom and used my humor to help with that mm-hmm. a lot, you know, help keep her as joyful as I could with the grief of losing her whole family and her marriage. Right. And so. Do you feel like um, being more mature at an earlier age, but also being silly to entertain your family, do you feel like as an adult you're sillier on average, or do you feel like you're more serious? Very good question. I'm absolutely, anyone who's met me would say a goofball. Mm -hmm. Humor is my everything I think I've realized it's a coping mechanism, a levity for all situations. If I want to be a peacemaker among people, I realize comedy is the way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or laughter is a way to be, you know, I really relate to Jim Carrey and how when you see something you're kind of good at, which is maybe making people laugh and entertaining, mm-hmm. you hone into that as a child because that's what your identity now and, and it works. And so it becomes kind of your, identity too strong and then you realize how have you used that to not help yourself heal and grow with grief mm-hmm. and maybe aspects like that so I think I'm a goofball but I do love the deep nature discussion more but that's more of a rarity to maybe get with people until you start to develop having the sort of collaborations and connections and, and individuals who really correlate on that understanding mm-hmm. so I like I like both I would love humor as a way to dive into depth. And I think they're a beautiful marriage. Humor has helped me if we're, you know, 
I've realized it's like the main glue. I think it's a blessing for anyone who's dealt with death or loss or grief. It is the the aspect that can really get you through that. People, I think, take all that too seriously on a level. Right. And people who've really, I mean, that's why you see military vets. They handle losing their buddies in a pretty humorous way and say some crude things that would offend people Mm -hmm. about the loss of their life. But it's really just their way to survive it. Yeah. Because it happens so frequently and they have to deal with it over and over again. Yeah, that it becomes a joke. Like, well, Timmy shouldn't have stepped on that IUD. What an asshole. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. You're like, whoa. Whoa, Timmy's dead. Yeah, and then all the all the all his buddies are laughing, and you're like, oh. Yeah, that's like, my kind of response, and I think I do that sometimes. I say some dark things that I kind of use humor, and then it's like, oh, that was too far. <laughs> Which is hard in the Los Angeles realm of some sensitive people sometimes. Sorry, that was, um, I had to use my phone there for a second. You are forgiven just this once. Uh, Everyone's leaving the studio. I'm just making sure that they locked up. We're not just sitting ducks here. This is how it happens. I'm locked in here for 24 hours, (sighs) commencing the greatest horror story ever. It's okay. Cool. We're going to pause for a quick station break, and uh, we'll be right back, folks. And we're back from the mid-roll break. Ayo. I'm cutting all that out. Um, <laughs> Murph, if you hear this, lock the door when you leave the studio from now on. <sighs> so we were, you were in the military and all your friends were getting shot in the face. <laughs> no. No, that's not what we were... No. Uh, club, mm, mm. An what, analogy to how serve? we use humor to handle grief right. and how that's a good yes analogy yes. of that. Were you ever in the military? No. My degree is in criminal justice, though. Is it? And so I... I, that is not anywhere a relation. Anyone who's in the military be like, how does that even it doesn't. relate? But you know what it does But mean. it does relate that I was around all the time. I was immersed in the culture of military, police, law philosophy. That was kind of my immersed culture. Um, mm-hmm. Even before my studies, I was immersed in a realm that is very interesting that I don't think you know. Well, you know what it definitely says. What? That you went to college. Boom. Boom. Educated woman. <laughs> so. Student loans. Where'd you go to school? Not sco- using the degree. Where'd you go to school at? <laughs> Texas State University. Texas State. That shit. Damn. I was a bobcat. Is that what they are? Yeah. I just went because they had a good criminal justice program. Right. I well, was, I've heard that about them. After high school, the virgin slut chapter, um, I went to. Do you want to get into that? Were you just a makeout All bandit? it is is. Pretty much, like yeah. I am not even. I think girls saw a California girl move schools, and here I was in. Uh, yeah, you're you're getting it yep. now. What a slut! She's from California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I grew into my body. I was a tomboy in Aguadulce acting days. I did mm-hmm. a lot of sports. I was hanging out with guys and got along. So then he moved to a school in states, and now I'm in a realm that was very culturally different. And I've realized, as beautiful and amazing as Texas is, it's also a very proud state Mm -hmm. so if you're not probably assimilating well into that pride and their culture it's gonna be harder for you and or at least this is my experience Mm -hmm. um for the high school version of that and so when i moved to texas in this high school i had a tomboy temperament Mm -hmm. have you got along with guys right one check i grew into my body and wore california outfits that were more revealing um than the normal outfits all these Texas girls were wearing, which mm-hmm. were T-shirts, 
And I thought, why would you wear this to class? That right. looks like you're working out, but that's what everyone wore. So yeah, they're just a little bit more conservative down there. In but Texas. they weren't. That's the joke. Oh, really? Like, here's the girls I saw wearing T-shirts and they're having sex all the time. And oh. I'm here as a virgin trying to, like, mm-hmm. be home with my sister who's a struggling addict mm-hmm. and my mom. And instead, I'm, I had one girl on the captain of the soccer team choose to not like me. And that just that made it very That'll difficult. Do it. That'll yep. do it. Just one. Just one. So that's really about that chapter. Of, Were you on the soccer team with her? Um, I really wanted to be because I was the athletic girl in California. Mm-hmm. And when I moved on my 16th birthday, I got a job at Sonic being the, the drive through Sonic drive through. Yeah. I was on roller skates. roller skates. I was. Nice. Which was perfect for when everyone after the football games would want to go and enjoy uh, the spot with Sonic. And Laura had to serve them Route yeah. 44 drinks in her little skates. Right. I think my ego took many hits in high school that I needed to humble into people kind of suck, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. Sure. Um, Community college was a saving grace for me because I ended up having a misfit group of anywhere from 50-year-old study buddy friend to a weird nerdy, you know, it was just my misfit. It was the Star Wars creatures Like community. Community. That's the word. In real life. (laughs) Did Did you watch that show? No, I have not. You should watch Community. Okay, I'm gonna watch Community because that's exactly what you just described. Okay, yeah. my life is just a TV show in many forms, yeah. and that's a perfect foreshadowing mm-hmm. because then I went from high school tough to community college, starting to love it, and it was perfect realm. And then in that time, that's when this case started with my family, mm-hmm. when my uncle decided to push his wife off a cliff. Dun dun dun! dun. This is real. This is real. Oh, wow. Have you ever dropped this story on in a public format before? Um, it is public, and it's national and international news, but I've never given my own interview and account of what? it publicly. This is a Break Our Media Group exclusive. hey And hey, you're not going to start chanting or nope, anything, Nope, that was you? the wrong button. I'm going to hit this other one, and then it's a Break Our Media Group exclusive. Oh. Okay, I'm not hitting any more buttons. I'm done with you. <laughs> that was so good. That was really bad. I'm really happy about that noise. Um, well, now that the, we've lost on the Price is Right, what happened with your uncle? So, 2012, mm-hmm. get a text from my mother saying, pray for Tony. She's fallen off a cliff. And Tony with an eye? Tony with an eye. Woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right away, my awareness is, holy shit, he did it. Now, this was a man I looked up to in a father form and an uncle I've known since I was born. Like right away when you heard she fell. Right when I heard she fell off a cliff, my awareness and intuition said he did it. Whoa. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Because in 1995. He pushed you off a cliff. Close. Oh, no. Oh, no. My aunt Lynn died underneath a car. No. And he was the only one there. Lynn with an I? Lynn with, nope. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> See, humor with grief, yeah. our specialty. Wait, Lynn was this same uncle's first wife? Yep. No. Good job. Wow. Keep it up. He has had two wives. Both die mysteriously. How many wives can you get away with? He then realized he didn't need to marry a third wife to get insurance policy on this next one. And that was my mother. She's still alive, everyone. <gasps> but... You find out it's all linked to insurance policies. Um, realizing, long story short, the man we thought was a successful entrepreneur turned out to be 
a complete sociopath. Wow. Who actually married women, murdered them for their insurance policies, and got away with it up until 2012. Well, technically, got away with it until he was convicted in 2015, finally. Right. But So there were others besides Lynn and Tony? No, but this is the, the ticker. Lynn was the first wife. This is who I was related to. Mm-hmm. She's my blood. She was my dad's sister. Mm-hmm. And she died in 1995. The gross part that the FBI is confused with is if you kill someone why would you attach yourself to that family much anymore mm-hmm. right she was he was only an uncle by marriage but i realized he was a man who i think got off on seeing the ripple effect that you can create what yeah. so he wanted to see the aftermath the aftermath and he stuck around absolutely he invested more into this wow. hence me and my sisters and my mom he really invested a lot of time in that and mm-hmm. worked to separate us from our father um, in many forms, yeah. Mm. And um, even on the day of Tony's funeral, the second wife, he had flown my mom and I out there and my other sister. And this is what's eerie is I'm flying out there to Denver and I'm, at this point, we're all having conversations like Harold did this Mm -hmm. and we're supposed to be staying next door and helping him grieve, quote, losing his wife. While I'm sitting there watching the funeral video, he has us all come down to watch that he's made for her. What? Oh, these scenarios are so odd. And I'm you watching write all this stuff. Damn. I'm gonna make a book. Yeah. yeah, there's already a book, and they took my, but my perspective will be probably a bit intriguing. Who, who wrote the first book? Um, oh goodness, there's so many names. Don't let me cut you off from the ending. No, though. you're fine. Um, some New York Times guy who was there for the court case, and huh. um, it's called. Uh, over the gosh, because Dateline 48 Hours, everything's covered this. So yeah. I oh, get, really? oh, yeah, I've been on 48 Hours. That's my first IMBD credit. No way. Str- performer, actor, should I put it on my resume? Nice. <laughs> Plays herself on 48 Hours. Credits. Credits. <laughs> demo reel cut. Nice. You know, you just need a demo reel, and it's like, you did really good acting. It was yeah. really good emotionality That's right. on this 48 Hours reenactment, but it didn't seem like a reenactment. No, it wasn't. I'm method. I'm method. <laughs> I live my character. <laughs> you should cut it into your reel. That would be awesome. You know what? It would be <laughs> Credit. Credits. Okay. Good so, camera quality. That's all we need. So what happened when you got to Denver and you see Harold and he's making you watch the video? Yeah, that was a something that really sticks out to me because yeah. this is my first time. Now you're looking at this man as, holy shit. What's in the video? Just clips of him this and her hanging out? This is what's eerie. Is like you just your intuition starts to know this is not what a loving husband would make. Right. And how did he make it so fast? And the energy I got was, holy shit, he's made this video before she died, clearly. Right. He must have had this. He had it in two days. Any grieving husband's not going to cut and edit and like create a funeral video of your wife. Unless you're an editor by trade and it's just... <laughs> And even so, if you're an editor and you just had your wife die in front of you, falling off a cliff, you wouldn't want to go. To you work. wouldn't want to be editing a video, you know. Exactly. And so I'm watching it, and he's just like rubbing my sister's back. Oh, oh. I know, I know. He's like, you're next. <laughs> well, what's sick is we have the- so instead. Oh, no. Yeah, this was my sister's. Um, you know, struggled with uh, some drugs and alcohol, and and in that, you know, we all cope with things differently. Mm-hmm. I chose humor. She's dealt with difficulty in life and different ways to numb, as I get all a lot of us do, mm-hmm. um, whether it be sex, drugs, love. I mean, we all have rock our coping rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Music would be, yep. Um, so it was interesting because we're watching this funeral video, and I'm 
just watching him, obviously. It's like when you're watching a wedding, mm-hmm. do you watch the bride or do you want to look at the groom to see how he looks at the wife? That's a oh, very that's what I do at weddings. I look at the groom. But maybe it's yeah. my conditioning's like, are you gonna kill her? <laughs> I'm looking oh, at the wow. groom now, like my conditioning's like, yeah. what's your insurance policy? I'm looking like? at the bride. Maybe it's a gender thing. Maybe. Or I'm going back and forth. I was just in a wedding last or night. Or I'm going back and forth. Whiplash. Yeah. Both looks. Yeah. Looking at him. Looking at her. Looking at him. Looking yeah, at her. Yeah, that's true. I do both. I guess I'm not strictly at... But when she first walks and I want to see what he sees, mm-hmm. I like to look at the point of view of the groom whose first look is at his bride. Right. Um, I want to see how long he can go without crying. Because right. then I'm going like, I don't think I can make it that long without crying. I'd definitely be crying by now. Right. He's not crying. Oh, you don't really love her. There's no tears in his eyes. Oh, that, yeah. Well, in this Maybe case, he will kill her. Yeah. No. She cried first. She cried first. Then he cried. But it was weird because he was just like rubbing my sister's back going, hum, hmm. This like humming thing that oh, would weird. just give me like little chills. Yeah. And I'm watching the video and the only energy I'm getting is, oh, he made this video before she died is my intuition. Just for this moment so he could show it to you guys. Just to us. And then, you know, play it at the funeral. And it was a production, man. He did a live stream of the funeral. The man loved. What? Yeah. Like it, for real, a live stream? Yeah. Like anyone who can't make it to the funeral can watch it on this website. That's Crazy, Isn't that insane? dude. Yeah, this. Yeah, there's so many weird. Ins- I never forgot. After the funeral, he mm. asked me to get in the car with him. And by the way, they had a daughter, a seven year old at the time. Her mom died. No. Yep. He's he's a gross man. A dis- yeah. Wow. <coughs> so here she is in her little funeral dress and dealing with her mom's. You know, and he he looks at me, and goes, "I want you to come back with us." And this is right after the funeral, and I'm like, "That mm. should be a time with you and your daughter driving." But again, my mindset's like, "This man." killed this woman and we're all putting on face right around this person and, how, and granted I, now i realized her family was putting on the same face right the second wife's family tony knew now these are two families the rochelle's yeah lynn rochelle the first wife's family is there mm-hmm. um and tony's family and now to realize when we came together to go get, you know that they were all putting on face because they realized wow. court cases take years to put someone Behind bars. Right. So if they make any action or stand out, he's going to take their granddaughter away. Whoa. He could disappear with her. Yeah. <coughs> so at this time, you're... This is 2012? Yep. So you're... 18. Wow. And I got thrown in this FBI case and was flying to Denver all the time with my mom. Is the FBI's flying you up there? Uh, 48 Hours actually helped out. Wow. Um, that's kind of people, you know, because we financially still are... I'm working, my mom's working, trying to afford, and we can't afford to fly up there. But technically, they paid for our flight and hotels when we would go. Because they wanted to film it. Because they want to film. They want. My mom became a mini investigator. As I call it, I lost a mother and I gained an investigator the moment Tony died. Wow. Um, My mom just immersed herself in this because Mm -hmm. these were women she loved. This was a man she looked at as a brother. And this was the betrayal feeling you see. And largely, here's the best kicker. I never forgot being in Austin, Texas, and my doorbell, and I go and it's the FBI. Two peop- FBI's at, at my door. I'm no joke watching Criminal Minds in my house at this wow. moment. And I make a joke like, "Do you guys want to watch TV with me <laughs> while, <laughs> while we wait for my mom to get here?" Wow. And so then they she gets here, and I they go out and walk the dog with her, and that's when they tell her. And for a point, the FBI was investigating her to wonder if she had any part in it. Why? Because they found an insurance policy over her life. In his name? Yep. Wow. Sole beneficiary, $420,000 he would get if my mom died. 
Seems like you'd swing a little higher than four hundred grand, right? Well, I guess four point. Uh, how much uh, was Tony's? Was over four point two million. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was doing it all. Right. He was doing it right. Yeah. Guess what? Same insurance broker. Oh, is he in? I'll say his name right now. Oh, absolutely. How can someone not be? You you have to wonder, right? right. Neil Cresswell, an eighty-something-year-old man who's been on it since Lynn. He did Lynn's policy. He uh-huh. did Tony's policy with Harold, and he did my mom's. Wow. Yeah. So the, he could have he could have known. He did. I have no doubt in my mind that he was a part of it and got money from it too. Maybe it was his idea. No, something in me tells me Harold. I think has killed more women than. Oh, for sure. Right. I mean, you don't. You know, you got to go practice before you start off. On I think he got away with probably murder as a younger age, and mm-hmm. still we don't know. And I think he realized he could get a financial benefit from it. Right. The police for my aunt's case closed the case in six days as an accident. Didn't even tell our family that, you know, there was a policy of $640,000. Wow. Would have been something good to know, maybe because normal people are think of people as good and pure. We don't look for the bad necessarily mm-hmm. until your intuition starts to guide you more um, through experience. Right. So obviously mine's a little more heightened than a usual oh, yeah. average individual. So what happened to Harold? Is he in jail right now? Yep. Hopefully uh, oh, having my. a good time with We're safe, Bubba's. ladies and gentlemen. We're, We're okay. Safe. <laughs> We're safe. Yeah. Convicted. Haley's been adopted by her mom's family. Yay. She's doing great. Oh, hit the right <laughs> button. So I know what they all do. I just pretend like I don't know. I see how it is. Yeah. You're really setting me up for failure. <laughs> yeah, oh. honestly. Do you God, ever go visit him? Uh, yep. Haley and I are close. The I met Harold. Like, Do you ever go to jail? No, I have a fantasy. Not a fan, but okay. Like, let <laughs> take me, two. Take two. <laughs> not, I have a, I think I'd be a good individual to yeah. sit in front of him. Because okay. I'm cool tempered. I had to work through night terrors, a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. anger, right? For yeah. someone who would presume to kill my mom, lie to me, separate me from my father, all these things. Yeah. And work through all that. Prison helped me. Hashtag for real, though, because then I got involved in that prison work and was there every week with offenders in prison and would tell my story and hear their stories. And mm-hmm. um, granted, they would be just as mad at hearing this story because a right. lot of men in prison aren't sociopaths. They've right. even been I've had murderers I've sat in a group with. But mm-hmm. there's a difference of honestly someone who's killed someone by being a drunken idiot and hit someone with a car versus someone who methodically spent 14 years planning out the execution 100%. of your life. Right. Yeah. So he's an interesting individual. I'm sure to, I'd be really curious because even now I'm sure denies doing it. Yeah. He has to, that's all he has is to, but he's exhausted all appeals now. So there's no getting out. Did they take all his money away? Did the FBI be like, oh, you In the beginning, this. he was able to hire the best lawyer in all oh, of Denver sure. to yeah. go against the United States of America versus Harold Hemthorne, and that was the case. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a way. How sick is it that you realize he definitely, even over his daughter's estate, like he even rewrote her name mm-hmm. when her mom, so that she wouldn't get money if her mom did. It was him, you know, because wow. it's control. And, and I, yeah, you have to have that awareness. Like, man, did he never love me? Or mm-hmm. I don't know how she feels. I, I have a feeling he's apathetic and maybe not capable of love. Yeah. Um, but I don't know the specifics of what happened with the money mm-hmm. with this policy after the case. I haven't researched that as much as I know Haley's going to be set for life, probably his oh, daughter right? because her mom was a doctor mm-hmm. and had her own private practice and he was getting in her, the, they're from Mississippi and work with oil money and, and mm-hmm. dividends of that. So 
there was a lot of that's why he searched out this second wife. Mm-hmm. He found her for her background, her money, her position. Oh, because he intended yeah. to kill her and get a much larger money settlement in that. Because wow. my fir- the first aunt, my my aunt Lynn was just a social worker, mm-hmm. so six hundred. A noble trade, right? Yep. Somebody has to do it. <laughs> it's true. Wow. And you've never shared that story. Not on a public format. Mm. Um, close as I did it over for because my degree is criminal justice. I I used the story on my last project, and she, she, my professor chose it for me to use it in class and show the class. Wow. So that was, I guess, an interesting experience to sit there and you know, have that kind of out there. Cause it was about a project of comparing media and how it can distort perceptions or create, you know, and so I have a lot of say on how media is influenced a lot, whether it's my love for media and entertainment and storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I saw that in a very criminalistic side with, you know, going through it in a media scale and I'm grateful 48 hours was someone we were loyal to in essence, who helped us financially get there, who were people who, really wrapped around the family in some ways to, you know, it's, and it's cathartic when you're getting interviewed, you realize yeah. that was probably a form of therapy when even it's a TV crew interviewing you and asking you hard questions. Right. You know, How long you, was the filming process? Years, right? We I mean, would go over. Yeah, they've done three, three set. I mean, they've done multiple segments just on 48 hours. Um, I've only done, I flew up there with my mom for the one in Mississippi. I've did the one where they came to our house um, so there's, I mean, it's all over. I, I haven't even been able to catch up on, they did, they followed back after he was convicted and did a special wow. on the jury. They have a interview of the FBI that were able to be on camera now talking about the case. Crazy. Cause there's a lot to it. That's yeah. like as basic and it's still not basic as it gets, but right. some really intriguing aspects to the crimes and the way he did it and sort of the events and a map that was found with an X and like really movie stuff, like really wild. Oh, is like someone found a map marked with an X in his car. Like that was where she died. No. Yeah. He had a map marked with an X. Yeah. That's why he's in jail. One of the reasons why he's in jail. It was a hard case. It was all circumstantial evidence. Really? There was nothing concrete. He was the only witness technically. So I mean, if you find a map with an X and then your wife's dead at the X, bro, you're going to jail, right? You would hope and think, but when you have a great lawyer who can uh, uh, also turn that map into saying that was after she died, that he marked to remember, like, to, you know, you, you can twist and turn truths. It's really intriguing. I mean, yeah. I'm the jury was really invested in this, and you can put it as a grieving husband, but you have a thing called a pretrial hearing when you have a huge case like this. Mm-hmm. So that was two weeks of just doing a trial court case just to approve certain evidence that would be able to be heard by the jury. Right. So that there was three main points they did, which were admitting key points, which was the first wife's death, Lynn. They had to have that be approved to be heard in court because technically it's still ruled an accident. Oh yeah. So they want to be able to speak about the mysteriousness behind this first wife's death Mm -hmm. to prove the law of chances that this just doesn't happen like this, this often. The second was a beam incident where he did attempt to kill Tony um, at the cabin. And they admitted that because apparently if it was an inch off when she bent down, he threw a beam over in it. She bent down, picked something up and it hit her and she was hospitalized. If it was an inch away, she would have died from where it impacted her. Wow. And that's when, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff to this. And, and I believe Tony knew my heart says, I think she knew that he was dangerous and capable of killing her. Right. 
I have a theory that's hard for me that I want to speak about for women. Mm -hmm. I think women feel entrapped in a religious standard. He went for Christian women because Christian women don't believe in divorce Mm -hmm. to their standard in in failure. And they, I think, really value that. And I also think Tony was looking out for her daughter. And I feel like she, in ways, took her life. I think she went up that mountain not naive. I think she kind of had a feeling because there was something showing she was trying to separate finances at the end of her life Mm -hmm. a little bit from Harold. And I bet when he saw that, he he knew she's trying to maybe separate to get her and her daughter. It's, this is just a theory of mine. Sure. I think she's a smart woman who was loyal in all this, but I think in ways wasn't naive to him because there's the last video of her was her at the doctor's office and him surprising her to take her on an anniversary hike, and that's where he killed her. What? Yeah, and her doctor people were filming it, thought it was sweet, husband surprising her to take her away. And like he called the you doctor can clearly to say, see that you should she, film this. Like he set it up for them to film. No, luckily that was a friend who just filmed, um, but he liked that video, clearly, because he just looks at it, you see him yeah. hug her and smile, and she's off-put. You can see the energy. It's, mm. She wanted to stay at the practice. So Creepy. Yep, there's a lot. It's That's really interesting. So interesting. I had no idea we were going to get into Got a murder you. mystery. Good. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I didn't really know what format we could talk on. But Good. my life feels like a combination of humor and... What's the other word I could even use? Yeah, a lot of weird scenarios, weird stories that mm-hmm. tie into depth, but... Beauty, you know, I'm a huge person that seeing suffering is useful in so many ways and Mm -hmm. and what it creates. And Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful. And I hope that everything that you go through in life and people do realize it's useful and how it grows your character. And and hopefully, yeah, maybe I could write a good book or a good movie over this sort of scenario. Uh If it means helping people speak up to their gut or or not settle and understand that independence is important in love and vetting people as much as you can and trust but verify and and many things that you kind of learn through hardships well i don't want to take away from the gravity of this story but at this point i'm trying to get you from texas to california oh good man so when at through all this process back and forth from texas to denver at what point are you like i am gonna move to california great question and that's a good wrap up and i appreciate that because in large form this story kind of encompassed too much of my life. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge awareness that has made me move to California was understanding I've been a sister slash, I say I felt I was married to my mother when my dad left and, and kind of a husband to her heart, mm-hmm. a father to my sister on her um, hard journey of addiction. And in those energies that, and, and I was constantly there for a court case, I felt like I definitely have lost a lot of that childhood in aspects and and yet I take responsibility that I enjoyed that side of being a loyalist and being there and going through that it came when I finished my degree as a good old college student what next right Mm -hmm. you finish your degree and do I get that job now I have a degree in criminal justice and I've worked as a dispatcher and I've um, worked in sign language and and what's my heart saying instead it was I want to at least travel to Europe as another college student says now that you've finished a big chapter and my uh, mom looked at me and goes, what if we move to Europe? Wow. I was like, what? You know, and this was a time my sister was really not doing well. Yeah. And you wonder and you border with addiction on the line of enablement mm-hmm. when you help too much and you don't help enough and you fear they're going to die. And right. That's the line you're bordering every day with a family member as an addict, as honestly too many people understand. Mm-hmm. And 
it was this awareness. And so we did it. We like sold everything. Practically my mom and I, I got rid of my everything, took one suitcase, put a couple no. things in storage and moved to Europe. And my mom and I moved to Europe and we had only, but 90 glorious days of this, but my sister did get pregnant. And so my mom said, I need to go back and be mm-hmm. there. And I knew she would because did this you only is get the, 90 days because your visas ran out. No, we got 90 days because of a choice. In the middle of this 90 days is mm-hmm. when we got news that my sister's pregnant. And that was two choices. And I knew what my mom's choice was. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back. I'm going to be there for her. Sure. And that's that moment for me. I, I remember looking at her and saying, I can't do it anymore. I love you. I love her. And nothing more in the world would I love to kind of be an aunt even. But I would just go right back into that. And I think I'd started to get a taste of mm-hmm. independence and freedom in Europe <laughs> in some great stories. <laughs> right. <laughs> One in every city. Hey, Hey-o. how's it going? Sorry, mom, got to go on this day. You there know, you working through our balance of me wanting this freedom pool and difference. And, um, and I even got a Slovakian connection and did a TV show with my friend over there. And I think that was oh. huge too, because I got on this TV show where everyone's speaking Slavic and I'm just standing there. But it was like, oh, I love this. I've always wanted acting, create like I've did acting when I was here as a kid in California until we moved to Texas. I pers- really? I pursued acting as a kid. Yeah. Did some little shows. Mm-hmm. It's always been a love of mine. But as life can happen, it kind of teaches you and tells you you're not good enough. You shouldn't go for it. Don't go for dreams. You've watched people go for dreams and mm-hmm. lose money. Your father, your your conditioning tells you to not strive for it and mm-hmm. just be uncomfortable. Um, conformity and comfortability of what the societal norm is telling me, which is I have a degree. I should get a stable job, probably get married and have kids. Right. Right. That's the formula. That's the formula. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I now I'm in Europe and already went through that huge change of materialism and losing that on purpose and seeing the freedom it can do in a person. And then I'm traveling, seeing cultures as I've loved people. And now I'm doing the show thing. So when my mom says she's going to Texas, I said, I have options. And I looked at a paper and I'll still have this paper. And I said, Los Angeles, I put in the fragment. I put Texas, Slovakia, and Germany. Okay. And these were my options. Mm-hmm. I had a connection in Slovakia with that TV show casting guy and thought I could probably get a visa easy there and stay there. Mm-hmm. Germany, my sister's there. My other one, she's an au pair. She said she has a family who is neighbors and would want me as their au pair. Wow. Nanny, live in nanny. Mm-hmm. And then I had Texas, a stable job I could have easily had in many forms. I could have been a female officer right now, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, being there for my nephew and my mom. And, and that was the hardest choice ever, to not be there for them. Mm-hmm. And last, Los Angeles. And my dad was still living there. And I haven't lived near my dad for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And yet we're very close now. We extremely close Thank God for FaceTime, bonds and a 16-year-old's anger. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot to that story that grew in love. And I just didn't need any bullets. I saw Los Angeles in my gut said L.A. It said acting. It said my dad. It said storytelling. It said that's the next next step. So I took that suitcase and moved here. And and luckily, I had a one-up. Then I realized some people in the pursuit of dreams here I did have a, a, a little bed to sleep on when I first got here, which mm-hmm. was my dad providing, and mm-hmm. that was a blessing. And and have irony, I was still struggling all the time because my heart was in Texas. Sure. While I'm trying to pursue my dream, I'm feeling guilty because my sister's on the streets and struggling, and 
and there's a lot of challenges there that I couldn't fly and support my mom with. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until weird circumstances and my dad had uh, separated with my stepmom and moved to Texas. And now my divorced parents live together in the same house. Stop it. Live. No, for real? For real. What a happy ending. It's a beautiful story. Wow. Um, my divorced parents, my sister's sober right now. That's great. She, The baby's doing well. He's almost two. He's almost 18 months, mm-hmm. I guess. And um, and they live in separate bedrooms. They're just partners and roommates mm-hmm. and helping with this. They got their golden son, I joke about. They had four yep. girls, and now here's their grandson. That's awesome. With the Rochelle name. And um, Katie's doing, you know, she's doing well, and and I'm here now having the freedom to just pursue myself. Killing it. Trying. Killing it. We'll see. Yeah. Because you got that that big project coming out. Yeah. One one we can't talk about. That's true. Because of all the NDAs that we signed. That's right. That's right. There's a lot coming, so. Between now and when this comes out, people Mm -hmm. will know. That's right. I like that. Well, this is coming out in two weeks, so you better... Get on it. Fire under my ass yeah. now. <laughs> you got two weeks to get famous. I like that. I like yeah. that. I, I like the pressure is good for me. I yeah. need more of that. It's a bad time of the year, though. Yeah, you're right. Between <laughs> right before two days before Thanksgiving and then three weeks before Christmas. But with that mindset, yeah. you'll get nowhere. It's a great time of the year, okay? That's right. Everybody's buying programs right now. So <laughs> you can sell you can sell. I have a bunch of off mic questions. Yeah. Um that I'm going to ask you when we wrap this up, which is what we have to do now. Because yeah. um, Always wrap it up, ladies I and gentlemen. I would have definitely made this a two-parter. Sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. I love it. Um, but I think people are going to send in their questions and be like, what did this and this? and So we'll That'd have to cool. have you back for round two, and yeah. we'll just do audience questions. I like that. From the story, or we'll just tell it in greater detail. If you want to hear Awesome Possum again, just like we're cutting that out. Cut that out. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by the Awesome Possum, available on self-publishing Stop. everywhere. Stop Audiobook it. coming shortly. <laughs> yep. That's right. Uh, <laughs> wow. I am so impressed with your story, and I can't believe that it took such a turn. Right. And um, I'm really excited that you came. Thank you for coming. Thank you. It's and nice I'm going to, I can't wait to here. listen back to and edit this because I, uh, that story was. Freaking awesome. Turned you upside down. Yeah. Don't know who you invited. I, in fact, I might even have enough questions for myself when I edit this that I'll bring you back for round two before I put this out. Okay. We'll see. We'll I just got to make sure all the story flows. Right Understood. Way. And then I'm going to call. Always redo it. Yeah. Whatever. It's I'm here. I'm here. That's right. It's good to talk about. <sighs> wow. Breathe in. And Welcome to our breathing. as a callback, I'm going to take away the no joy at the beginning. <laughs> Because you wrapped it up so beautifully with your dad moving in. That's yeah. tons of joy at the end. It is. Yeah. Life is so complex. You can never envision how it will go mm-hmm. from a dad leaving and a girl angry and mom broken feeling and he, him broken too. Right. And wrapping into trial tribulation that brings two people. The trial of my uncle brought them together for the first time. And I call it pain shifted. Really? Pain shifted two broken divorced people mm-hmm. into a commonality of they both had love for this woman, Lynn, and they want justice right. for her. And God can use everything or universe, whatever you want to use a word for that. Mm-hmm. As I've seen, um, everything that suffering can be made for goodness. So it was really cool to see how a case like this mm-hmm. brought two families together, one, and then a, a divorced couple together on a common pursuit of justice and care. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget watching their hands holding again together when oh, wow. the verdict was 
sentence for him. Yeah. And at that point, that I think started this kindling of forgiveness and mm-hmm. growth. And now to see them playing rummy yeah. at a table with right. a nephew, my beautiful nephew and sister there, it's beautiful. Life Last question. Wild. You moved to California, moving with your dad. Mm-hmm. And then your dad decides to move to Texas. Right. What, did that trigger anything? Oh, absolutely. You, you he like, told me hey, when I, I was in. Here. He told me when I was in Thanksgiving back in Texas, dealing with family and trying to piece some things, and tells me, "Hey, I'm actually going to be moving to Texas." And I wept in the bathroom because he tells me he can't tell anyone either. And I've been in a lot of these scenarios mm-hmm. where that was, as I look at it now my only piece because my conditioning was being there for family. Mm-hmm. And now I can be there for my dad because my stepmom has MS. Mm-hmm. She's in a wheelchair. Yep. And he was her caretaker in many forms and her, his caretaker. She financially has been a badass and she's a badass. And I thought, yeah, you're triggering. Like I literally, the joke is I'm just now get to you and you leave me again. Mm-hmm. I, is it me? You know, and, right. and yet. But you know at the time, he knew that he was going to Texas to be with your mom? No. No, oh, no. That happened later. Yes, that happened. So it wasn't like, even bittersweet. It wasn't even like, well, I'm leaving no, him, but for a good reason. Not at all. It was just I'm moving. I don't know, you know, and and that was the later choice. They realized financially it was better and smarter for them too to come together on a little duplex. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I remember going home. But I'm a pretty optimistic being in mindset. And give me a day, and I'm probably already mind gotten my mind around a positive aspect to it. Mm-hmm. I, I like the saying, it's serving me somehow. Right. So what it served me as was a person conditioned to be there for family. I now have no family here. I am alone to truly get myself to hone in on what that means. Mm -hmm. And I can fly there. I'm grateful for FaceTime modern tech that keeps you connected to your loved ones. But it was what I needed. And as well as I told you earlier, Mm -hmm. my mind every day when I lived here, still trying to pursue my dream, was constantly more up to my sister being on the streets and my fear for her Mm -hmm. because I was the responsible and being there for my mom, not being able to support my mom in this emotional roller coaster. Mm -hmm. So my dad moving actually, I didn't realize was my, a symbol of me passing the baton finally over to a father to take responsibility again for a family. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I remember him being there. I could now release and live my life. Right. You're giving yourself permission to be present here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a huge blessing that he left. Yeah. I miss him. He sure. misses me. But it it was a hard thing at first and a cool thing to realize the blessing it's been. Awesome. To be alone. What? But not lonely. Just a little bit sometimes on Friday nights. And a singer, ladies and gentlemen. Just an all-around <laughs> talent. Uh, I think you're going to be uber successful. And I think you. Uh, if you can hang through all that, then you can definitely make it in this town. I've uh, already dealt with sick men. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. No, me too. Every, not me, hashtag, hashtag me too, me but too. Not, <laughs> not me actually. No, he's a good man, guys. I uh, hope so. Um, That's great. Thank you for having stay me. Stay tuned for part two, guys. We got a lot to unwrap in this one. Um, <laughs> Rochelle. 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 But, but <laughs> the good old Rochelle's. Lord, Je- Lord jo- no joy, Rochelle, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Rochelle, what is this? It's just morphed <laughs> into. I don't know. I'm over caffeinated. Here, here we go. Laura, Joy, Rochelle. Hello? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> is this the sex line? <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> yep. Hi. Uh, we got to go, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the safety meeting.